But first, Texas Governor Greg Abbott is busing migrants across the country to Democratic sanctuary cities, including Chicago. Over the past week, more than 100 migrants have arrived here. Some have been traveling for months from their native countries in an effort to seek safety in the U.S. Many are arriving with few belongings and little knowledge of how they'll get settled in the city, much less get their asylum cases started. But Chicagoans are stepping up to help in any way that they can. So here to tell us more is Ed Pratt, the executive director of Interfaith Community for Detained Immigrants. Welcome to Reset, Ed. Thank you. How are you, Sasha? Doing well. Thank you for joining, Ed. Here with us is Veronica Castro, who is the deputy director at the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. Hey, Veronica. Hey there. Thanks for having me. And Reverend Sandra Castillo is a retired Episcopal priest and serves as the chair of the Episcopal Diocese of Chicago's Sanctuary Task Force. Welcome to Reset, Reverend. Oh, thank you so much. I'm going to start with you, Ed. Tell us more about the migrants who are arriving here from Texas. Where are they coming from and why are they making the trek to the U.S.? They are coming from two cities in Texas. They are asked if they would like to leave the border area and go to uh, Chicago. The first two cities were D.C. and New York, and uh, now they're coming to Chicago. We've received uh, by this method, um, we've received 145 people so far in the wow. last week. Yeah, and most are coming from Colombia originally, the Dominican Republic, Ecuador, Panama, and Venezuela. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And um, we are also, I just thought I'd let you know, we are also seeing people who had been sent to New York and D.C. They're now also showing up here in Chicago. They have been sent. Interesting. To Chicago, thinking they're told, oh, there's more resources for you in Chicago. So we're actually receiving people from three different places, and it's all from the the, uh, Governor Abbott's buses. Interesting. So they're being rerouted even. Yes, yes. They they stay there a few days and send them on. And I understand that FEMA money is even flying some of them here. So we've had, over the past week, about 15 Venezuelans come into O'Hare from New York. Veronica, let's bring you in here. The The U.S. government has uh, sanctioned Venezuelan businesses and political leaders for years. Uh, political reports that Venezuelans who remain in the country, they live on less than a dollar and 90 cents a day, and that many are lacking access to electricity and, and clean water. How much are you hearing that this is factoring into their decision to, to migrate? I think that we've heard from folks directly over the, the last couple of weeks um, that they're 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 leaving really dire circumstances, and they're seeking to be treated humanely and wanting to have a chance at having a good life. Um, I I think that there's just a, a lot of stories out there about just even the trek to get here and how difficult it is, and um, for a family with children or individuals to want to go through that, it really says that they're leaving a situation that is a lot more difficult than they can they can bear to deal with, right? And so um, there are a lot of stories like that out there. And um, how many people have arrived total so far from, from Texas via bus? Total, um, into Chicago? Yes, oh, more than 100. Definitely more than 100. So in addition to what Ed mentioned, we're seeing dozens of people over the last few weeks actually coming in. So I can't even give you an exact number. Um, and are you seeing adults and kids as well? Yep, we have we have um, you know children as young as three months old, um, and and adults. Reverend Castillo, what did the migrants bring with them? 
Are, are they bringing a lot of luggage and baggage? The, our immigration services take everything away from them, and they come wearing the wow. clothes that they were wearing in detention. Wow. Okay, I did not know that. Uh, why? Let's let's back up a little bit. Why is Governor Abbott sending these migrants to this city? Are there any family connections here? Um, I I wish I could give you my personal opinion, but uh, it would be an opinion, um, and uh, you would have to ask Governor Abbott there. But it's really, I mean, people are coming on buses, not having anything to eat, uh, little children. Babies at their mother's at their mother's breast to, to nurse uh, pregnant women. Um, it's horrendous. It is horrendous. And and they're getting what no explanation then as to like why they're being put on a bus to Chicago specifically. Um, there have been people here, as Ed had said, that were supposed to go to New York, and once once they're in New York, uh, they're asked where they want to go. If people are saying that they would rather come to Chicago. And uh, I'm actually here at the Welcome Center this morning volunteering, and we're hearing uh, from folks who were supposed to go to Boston, but then they said they wanted to come to Chicago. Um, And actually, I think that is probably a very good thing because um, uh, folks who are going to be in the immigration process uh, farther south are likely, in 95% of their cases, to get a rejection, denial of asylum, Mm -hmm. as... um, there are parts of the city, including our parts of the country, including our area, where they're more likely to get a favorable result on their immigration status. So yeah. um, I don't know if this answers your question, but I'm I'm telling folks that although we may feel some somewhat pressured right now dealing with this haphazard mode of transportation from the governor of Texas, that ultimately these are very resilient, very versatile, very persistent people. And I think that they are going to be a blessing to the Chicago metro area. But again, you'd have to ask Governor Abbott why, yeah. he's, doing, why well, he's doing this. Well, Reverend, I'm intrigued. You said that you were at the Welcome Center right now. What's what's the mood? What what are folks saying right I, now? I think it's very hopeful and optimistic. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's a great it's a great partnership between uh, government and. Uh, Nonprofits. Yeah, good. Ed, back to you. you. You know, your organization, as we mentioned, you've seen an increase in the number of asylum seekers and migrants that are coming here, especially over the last few weeks. Um, in addition to the, the ones we're speaking about now that were sent on this bus um, from Texas, tell us more about what that attributes to or what we attribute that to. Um, what is it about Chicago? You mentioned earlier more resources here. Yeah, well, and that's what they're also told when they're getting on the the buses. But we are known to be an immigrant-friendly state, and I think that helps our courts are more favorable to asylum seekers, just statistically speaking. But um, we've been seeing people from the Middle East, Central and West Africa, occasionally East Africa or Ethiopia. Um, We've seen people from Central and South America and even Eastern Europeans. So they're coming from everywhere. And I always tell folks the first reason they're here is for safety. There's something um, where they live which is intolerable, and so they come here for safety. And unfortunately, the United States first puts these people in detention, and some some languish in detention for over a year. So it's not a very good situation. I believe the government does some of these things to dissuade people 
from coming to the United States, but it still beats the fears that they were leaving. Yeah. Well, help help us understand Ed, the, the intake process for these migrants a little bit more and how your organization, Interfaith Community for Detained Immigrants, how you guys help through it. Well, we receive people in two ways. We have uh, we have two major programs. One receives people at the Greyhound station and some of them are passing through. So we'll make sure they have the clothes, food, telephone, whatever they need to get yeah. to their next generation. Uh, destination. Some have been on the bus two and a half days uh, to get here. They haven't had a change of clothes. Many have had no water because the water is turned off in bus stations across the country because of fears of COVID. And so, and uh, children haven't had a diaper change, so they arrive here in pretty rough shape. And so we're able to help them pull it back together. And then if they don't have um, a place to go, family or friends in the country, we also have housing available for these people. The problem is going to be there's no amount of housing that we could have mm. that would answer the the heavier influx of people. So we're really focusing on what's going to happen. The city has said they would take care of these people for four weeks. Um, the state is working on some programs for possibly up to six months for certain families. But what's going to happen, um, you know, the asylum process takes uh, much longer than that. It, it can take several years. Yeah. And they're not allowed to work uh, for the first six months. So when they first come in, um, they need to find an attorney. Then they can apply for asylum. And then after they've applied for asylum, they have to wait six months until they can work. So many are here almost a year before any of that happens. And they're not legally allowed, permitted to work. So one of the things that we've been advocating for, and I spoke with uh, Representative Chewy Garcia last week, Get a get something, get a law in place that these people could apply for asylum. Uh, uh, I mean, could apply for work as soon as they had applied for asylum. So submit your asylum application and get work authorization. Mm-hmm. That's what we'd like to see. Veronica, can you pick up from where Ed left off there? Talk about some of the biggest priorities uh, in, in terms of your group when it comes to helping these people. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what we're working towards right now, along with the partnerships that Ed mentioned with the city and and with the state is building something that lasts beyond this rapid response period to ensure that those arriving in Illinois get the support that they need, right? We have a model in Illinois for supporting um, asylum seekers here. You know, ICDI is one of those groups that has been doing it. Um, We need to ensure that the resources and opportunities that we've seen offered to other groups like Ukrainians and Afghans is also available to those coming in from Central and South America who have been arriving um, over the last couple of weeks. And so we're, we're working to ensure that these partnerships that, we ha- that we're having with the city, with the state, and other government entities mm-hmm. are mobilizing in the same way and providing wraparound services for families um, beyond, just, you know, be- beyond their immediate needs uh, and ensuring that there's housing solutions um, for the, the time that they're going to need them. Very important. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about what resources are available to migrants who recently arrived in Chicago after being bused from Texas. We're speaking with Ed Pratt, who's executive director of Interfaith Community for Detained Immigrants, Veronica Castro, who's deputy director at the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights, and uh, Reverend Sandra Castillo, a retired Episcopal priest and chair of the Diocese of Chicago's Sanctuary Task Force. Reverend, the mayor said that she's uh, expecting to see more migrants, even more, coming here to Chicago in the next few weeks. How are you preparing for more intake? 
Well, I know that we have put out a call to volunteer uh, through our diocese, and we work in partnership with ICER and with ICDI. And so uh, I'm anticipating that folks are going to respond to that call and uh, put in uh, some time as volunteers, and it's a great opportunity for them then to actually meet in person the folks that are coming up from uh, Venezuela and the other the, the Northern Triangle and other parts of the of the world, and it'll be very helpful for them to get a realistic understanding of what we have to do to improve our immigration system, our asylum system, uh, as Ed and uh, Veronica mm-hmm. have mentioned to you. Yeah, Ed, you talked earlier about these um, asylum applications. Is the process any easier if the, if the migrant has a U.S. citizen relative who can vouch for them? Yeah, they may come in under a different a different path. So many of the people, most of the people that we see and uh, are able to assist are people that have no family or, or friends here. They hear that if you get to the United States, you'll be safe, and there'll be people there to take care of you. And um, unfortunately, that is not always the case. Reverend, what do you want to see from, from city and state officials as far as supporting these migrants through the process? Um, I think that we see the, the everything falling into place as now. Uh, ultimately, I think the city and the state and uh, have to work together with non-for-profits non-for uh, to advocate that, as Ed had said, that our federal government uh, uh, totally rehabilitates the asylum process as well as the immigration process. Uh, we see essential workers who, were, who put their lives at risk during mm-hmm. the pandemic uh, who deserve to have a pathway to citizenship. We have asylum seekers who have uh, to wait up to 10 years, maybe longer, who should have immediate access to legal services so that they can follow the rules, so that they can work in a timely manner to survive during the process. And also, we have to have more uh, asylum officers for the credible fear interview so that they can be allowed in yeah. the country immediately into the United States and not wait at the southern border. I hear you agreeing there, Ed. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Reverend. You said all the things I was thinking. <laughs> we yeah. we worked, the, the three of us have worked together, had many, many meetings. And I, I just want to stress again, this is an ongoing process here in the city. And so the buses coming in raise to um, people's consciousness that, that this is happening. Mm-hmm. But this is an ongoing situation here in the city. And we're at the bus terminal every day and uh, O'Hare Airport receiving people every day. And so this is an ongoing process, and I believe Sandra's right that what we need is this is really going to take a federal solution to this problem. Our yeah. our laws are antiquated and um, not very comprehensive for the people coming here with needs. And I just keep telling folks, you know, if you were in a place where maybe the government took your property or murdered the, the men in your family, wouldn't you have a right to go somewhere where you would feel safe? And I think that's what this is all about. Veronica, before we go, tell us, how can we help? How can Chicagoans help best right now? So definitely supporting organizations like Interfaith Community for Detained Immigrants, ICDI. They have uh, donation information on their website. um, And anything um, to support them, I think, will directly benefit all of these folks arriving. Um, we're also going to be continuing to advocate for continued humane treatment and investment in those arriving and, and other migrants, right? Uh, 
So if you can reach out to your elected officials and ask them, you know, to to really prioritize investing in helping migrants arriving, that would also go a long way. Um, and in the time to come, this is just a start. Like some of my colleagues here have said, we know there's going to need more folks arriving and we're going to have needs moving forward. So just keep on the lookout for mm-hmm. anything coming up on our website and our social media handles. That's Veronica Castro, Ed Pratt, and Reverend Sandra Castillo. Thank you all for joining us and for the great work that you're doing.